Should we as Christians be supporting Muslim refugees to come in as immigrants to this country? Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is a ministry of striving for eternity. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Well, welcome to another edition of the Rap Report. We're going to deal with something that, well, it might be a little bit more controversial than many of us want to deal with. But the question that we have for us today is the question, should we as Christians be supporting the Muslim refugees into this country? Now, this is why I think this is an interesting issue, because of two reasons. I think many Christians have been so focused on nationalism and the U.S. that they're the immediate knee-jerk reaction is no, they should not. Why should they not? Because they are going to ruin our country. They're going to come in and try to to take over our country because Islam is as much as a religious system, it is also a political system, and people have that fear. But then, if that's the case, should we be supporting Christians in Muslim countries to be? you know, overthrowing the government because somehow the government needs to be non-Muslim? Is that the answer? Really what I think the issue is, is do we as Christians, especially those of us who say we believe in the sovereignty of God, do we believe it? And you see this in so many areas with people that say they believe that God is sovereign and then they don't trust him. And I think this is one of those areas. This is an area where I think very often we see Christians that say, well, I trust God. He's sovereign. He's going to do what he's going to do. But then we get all political about things like immigration. Now, this is something that I'm I'm saying that this is a change that I've come to. Uh, I was very much against, well, I'm still very much against illegal immigration because that word illegal. It's funny. People don't get that. Like, you know, they talk about whether illegal aliens are doing things to break laws in the country after they're already here illegally. <laughs> I mean, yes, by definition, an illegal alien, someone who's here illegally is by definition breaking the law. <laughs> so, yes, I expect that people that are willing to break the law to get in the country will probably be willing to break other laws. I mean, Seriously. But so the fact is, Romans 13, I would turn to and say, well, if you're here illegally, and we had this actually in, in a church where I was in, we had a guy from Indonesia. He was in the church, uh, a believer, and we in the leadership didn't know he was here illegally. And that came to light. Um, and we realized he actually had a wife and kids back in Indonesia. And we had to say, look, uh, you need to return home. You're here illegally. Romans 13, you need to obey the laws. Being in America is not something that's depriving you of worshiping God. So I, I still support the fact that immigration should be for people that follow the laws legally getting in here. But refugees is a different issue because they are coming in legally. <clears throat> so should we as Christians be supporting this? And our knee-jerk reaction for many of us is no, because we realize what it could do to the country. <clears throat> we understand that, I mean, look, m most of these immigrants that have been coming in are males, 
of the the military age you know you don't see the families that you typically would see with with refugees you don't see uh the children that's a concern what really concerns me is you don't see the christians i mean the christians are the ones being persecuted in these countries and they're not the ones who we see coming in and that's a concern however The two things I look at is, one, do we believe that God is sovereign? I mean, if God wants America, and and think about this, just take a step back and think about this. If God wanted America to become a Muslim nation, are you okay with that, Christian? I mean, we want to say yes, but if we're going to be honest, I mean, some of us are saying no in our heart, right? We we, want to say yes because God's sovereign, we're going to do it, but we don't want America to be a Muslim nation. We want it to be a democracy. We want it to be capitalism. We want it to be a Christian nation. We want it to be what, how it was founded. Well, it's not staying that way, right? So, so how do we respond? There's plenty of Christians around the world that suffer persecution or have to live in a nation that is not democracy, that's not capitalism. It's, it's under Islamic law. Should they be trying to overthrow it or should they be Romans 13 submitting to that government as best they can where it doesn't cause them to violate scripture? That's a question. We we think we know the answer to that one. Right. So. But as Americans, we are we're raised with this idea of individualism and that we should have our rights and the idea of losing those rights kind of bothers us. And yet we are losing those rights anyway in diff- slow degray, de- degray, slow decay. We are losing those rights. And should we as Christians be saying, no, we shouldn't allow Muslim refugees in? In fact, here's going to be my case that I'm going to make with you today. I believe, and this is the change in position I've had, I believe we should not only have the refugees, the Muslim refugees coming in, I think we as Christians should support it. Now, before you turn this off, listen to the argument, okay? First off, Christians, you and I are not here because America is our home. In fact, this is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil but living as servants of God, honoring one another, love the brotherhood, fear God, 
honor the emperor. Peter is saying that for these people who were being persecuted by the emperor, uh, that they should honor him. They should obey the authorities. This is something that in American mindset is just not what we're used to. We're not used to the idea of not of really of having a king rule over us type of thing. And, and here Peter is saying, we are sojourners. This is not our home. America is not our home. Earth is not our home. As Christians, we have a citizenship in heaven. That's our home. That's what we fight for. That's where we live for. That's where we desire to be. We're passing through, as it says here, we're sojourners. We're just passing through as exiles of this world. That should be our mindset. So what becomes more important? Is it more important that we save America? I mean, be watching that Fox News. Quite frankly, I think way too many Christians are spending time watching Fox News and not understanding the good news. This is the problem we have in America. We have way too many Christians who are not getting into God's book. They're not putting their face on the ground before God in prayer, but they're making sure they're on Facebook. Maybe we should forgo Facebook and get on our face before God and get into his book. Because the reality is, is that what we end up seeing is that we have in American Christianity, a large number of Christians that can't handle the thought that we might be concerned with something greater than America. We, we might give lip service to, to Christ, but in reality, here's where the rubber is going to meet the road. Would you be willing, would I be willing to start making changes to try to seek out the Muslims that may be in our areas, those refugees, and reach out to them? Here's why. You know, these countries they're coming from, they don't have the gospel proclaimed in the streets. They don't have the pro gospel proclaimed in the airwaves. In fact, Christianity, it is illegal for a Christian to share the gospel in many of these countries. That could get them killed. Now, many do that. And yes, we hear the reports of people having dreams and visions and people coming to Christ from those things. Can't speak to that. Don't know enough about it. I've heard the same reports many of you have. But God may be doing that. God may be bringing them in visions and dreams. But here's the thing. God may also be bringing them to America where there's a bunch of Christians that need to get off their, their bottoms and get out there and start reaching to the Muslim community. The, we, instead of being afraid of them and worried about what they may do and say and how they may affect America, so what? This is not our home, Christian. This is where we sojourn. This is where we pass through waiting to be with our king in glory. And what he would have us do is not worry about how we can make America great again. Sorry, Donald Trump. That's not the goal. You claim to be a Christian. You should know better. It's not, I mean, we want a great America. Fine. But as Christians, it is about making Christ 
known to these Muslims who don't have Christ being proclaimed in their country. Maybe God is bringing them here so that you could reach out to them. And so I actually think we as Christians should be encouraging Muslim refugees that are not terrorists, are not looking to violate our laws, not looking to do harm to people, but people who are trying to escape the oppression of their country and they want to make a better life here. And what are most Christians doing? We're, we're giving them the idea that we're afraid of them, that we don't like them, that we want them gone. Instead of saying, welcome, Come, let us share the good news with you that you don't know. Let us talk to you about Jesus Christ. Not the Christ that's mentioned in the Quran, but the Christ that's mentioned in the Bible. These people, these many, many refugees that are trying to truly escape oppression are coming here. It's an opportunity for us to be able to minister to them, to share the good news with them. Now, granted, I live in New York or in the New York area. I get to meet many Muslims. I get to talk to many of them. One of the things I think we're going to start trying to do here is maybe take some of the arguments that they make, because the reality for many Christians, they don't they don't listen to Muslim YouTube channels and Muslim teaching. I do. And what I find in that is that they have a gross misunderstanding of Christianity. And because they are speaking in their own echo chamber, they only speak to other Muslims. They don't get a view of proper Christianity. And we as Christians need to correct that. We as Christians need to not only explain what Christianity properly is, but show why Christianity is something that they should believe. Because if they're going to ever have the forgiveness of sin, you're not going to find it in Islam. We find the forgiveness of sin in Christ. They don't know that. That's what we need to encourage them. That's what we need to communicate to them, which means if we're going to encourage them coming into this country, we better be trying to reach out to them. Now, I, I, I know that some of you may be saying, as I was speaking earlier with, with Vincent, and, and he's like, but, but, you know, I don't know Muslim communities in my area in the deep south, you know, where they all say y'all. Actually, down there, they say all y'all, right? <laughs> so... But the reality is we need to look for areas that we can reach out in whichever way we can. Maybe there's not Muslims in your neighborhood. Maybe there's not a mosque in your neighborhood. But maybe, <coughs> excuse me, maybe there may not be that mosque. But the question is, is there something you could do to reach out to Muslims? Do you have a computer? Are you are you online? Do you, do you have the means of getting on and using YouTube, using uh, podcasts to target to Muslims, to try to reach out to Muslims and communicate the truth to them? Simple question. We could use the technology and sit in the, the luxury of our own homes and still communicate messages by making it directed toward some of these Muslims. Because the reality is, and maybe there's some Muslims who are listening to this. Maybe there's some Muslims who, because of the, the title of this, are going to say, well, you know what? Maybe I'm going to listen to that. Well, if you're listening and you're a Muslim, let me communicate something to you. 
because I, I took for granted them speaking to Christians. And maybe some of you are saying, no, no, no. What do you mean only within Christ we have forgiveness? You know, one of the things we have to understand is that within Islam, they would speak of God. They would call him Allah. They would speak of Allah as being most merciful. And what you end up seeing in that is that they're saying that Allah is most merciful. But here's the thing. You have to have choose in every religion. You have to choose between mercy or justice. You can't have both. You see, they're mutually exclusive. If if Vincent here was to do something against me, he, he says something or does something that would be an offense to me. And there's a proper punishment for it. I could do one of two things. I could meet that meet out that punishment or I could forgive him. I could show mercy, but I can't show both. You see, justice means that the punishment is going to be paid to the full extent. Mercy means you're letting go of that punishment. So you can't have both. You could say Allah is most merciful, but you can't say he's then just. And I know many Muslims say, but God is just. But how within your system can you have mercy and justice if Allah is just giving it at his own at his own whim, really? I mean, you can't know how Allah will show this mercy. But you see, in Christianity, one of the unique things that separates Christianity from all other religions, what makes it unique is that mercy and justice are resolved at the cross. You see, the full punishment of sin of violating God's law was paid. There wasn't an ounce of it not paid. It is fully meted out at the cross. Christ paid the fine and he took the full weight of sin, the full punishment of a fine upon himself. And because that is now paid, now he paid it himself. God himself paid it. Now he can offer mercy. And that's the only way you can have both grace or sorry, both mercy and justice. It's at the grace of Christ. What he did on the cross as a payment of sin, that's where great, where we have mercy and justice married together. And that's the only way you can have that. That is the only way you can have the forgiveness of sin. This is the message we need to communicate to Muslims who don't understand this. Now, Muslims are taught and because part of being a Muslim is to submit. You are not to question the Quran. And yet the question, the Quran should be questioned because the Quran teaches things that are impossible to have been written from God. If the author of the Quran was God, then why does he have a wrong view of Christianity teaching that the Trinity is the father, the mother, and the son? Nowhere do Christians ever teach that Mary is God. And yet, sir, chapter five states that did, did, where Allah is speaking and says, Mary, did I, did I call Jesus and Mary to be God? That's not what the Trinity is. It describes the Trinity in Surah 5, Surah 6. It, it, it describes the Trinity as three gods. Well, that's not what the Trinity is. And so, this is one thing that many Muslims don't understand. We as Christians need to reach out to them. Don't be afraid of them. What is the worst that a Muslim is going to do to you? Kill you? 
what is it that Christ said? What is it? And I think it's in Matthew. I, I'm, I should look it up in my logos. But what does it say? What's the worst that a man could do to take your body? So what? As Christians, this is not what we live for. If they take your body, guess what? You immediately are in the presence of God. This is the argument that Paul makes in Philippians where he's a he's knows that he could lose his head. He's in prison. He he's saying it's better to die because he'll be with Christ. He prefers that. That may seem strange to many Christians because for many Christians, they are living not for the eternal state. They're living for here and now. You know, this is why we name the ministry Striving for Eternity. And the reason is because we want people to strive to be living for something beyond this earth, not for the temporal things that we might be able to get out of earth and, and, and look for temporal things, temporal pleasures. And no, we should be striving for that which is eternal, living in a way that we are seeking the face of our Lord and Savior. And I think that many American Christians get very mixed up when it comes to the issue of this immigration of Muslims. I was one of them, but I'm changed. I've changed my view. I've changed my view because I believe that as Christians, we should be reaching out to them. We should see this as an opportunity for where they come to us so that they could hear the gospel. You know, one of the reasons I go to New York to evangelize is because literally I can evangelize the world in one city. Almost every country in the world is represented in New York and comes through New York and visits New York. And so I love to go to New York because there's people who can come to us to hear the gospel. And then they go back to their own country, hopefully with the good news of Jesus Christ. I hope that that's what they're going to bring to their country. But if we're keeping silent because we're afraid what they may say, we're afraid what they may do. They may, they may harm us. They can't harm us. Why? Because we live for eternity before the face of Christ. And so the thing is, is what's going to be our mindset? We have to choose what we're going to live for. Are we going to live for Christ or are we going to live for America? That's a decision that I think every American Christian should make, must make. And the reality is, in America right now, many of us Christians, I mean, solid believers, we are complaining about the Joel Osteens and all these, the Stephen Furtick's and all these kind of guys that are just making a shambles of Christianity and, and doing things in the name of Christ. The reality is it's time for us to stand up and say, let them do what they want to do. If they're, they're doing this in the name of Christ. Let's stand up and preach the truth. Let's reach out to a lost world. Stop focusing on what all these ridiculous people are doing. Now, I, I'm saying this, but I have been, I've, I agree with my friend Justin Peters when, when he said, Islam's not a threat to the church. Okay. Stephen Furtick's a threat to the church. Why? Because he's doing it in the name of Christ. 
everyone knows that what Islam does is not in the name of Christ. So that's there is that difference. But the reality is, is I think many of us are afraid. We are. We're, we're afraid of what the Muslim may do. And so when we come back from this break, I'm going to bring in John and Vincent. I want to dialogue and, and discuss. This is something we need to think about as Christians. What's going to be our view toward Muslim refugees? So we'll discuss that right after this break. The good news is Striving for Eternity would love to come to your church to spend two days with your folks teaching them biblical hermeneutics. That's right, the art and science of interpreting scripture. The bad news is somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah 29.11 should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar in your area. Would you consider donating to Striving for Eternity? This ministry is one that tries to reach out to some of those smaller churches that most people, most speakers want to avoid. But by our monthly donors, it allows us to get into smaller churches and provide for them the seminars and conferences that usually only larger churches can do. We can do that because we have monthly supporters who on a regular basis support us so we could support others. Would you consider being one of our monthly supporters today? You can go to strivingforeternity.org slash donate and set up for a monthly donation today. Your donation helps us to be able to spread the gospel around the world, to be able to disciple others, and to provide resources for churches and people who are struggling to grow deeper in God's word. Consider donating today at strivingforeternity.org slash donate. And we thank you very much for your consideration. And we do. We do appreciate every gift that we get. It is a way that we are able to do some of the things we do. Um, and like I said there, you know, we, we try to help the smaller churches and not many ministries are looking to do that, uh, looking to reach out to small churches that don't have the money and don't have the 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 big platform. So uh, if you could help us in that way, that is greatly appreciated. So Vincent and John are here with me. Um, I want to dialogue with them and ask, I mean, so so we, we talked briefly beforehand about this. Um, what, do you, what do you guys think? What do you think my position is totally off base? Not at all. Can I? Hey, all right. So, hey, everyone, I'm Vincent Lawson. So first I want to uh, give y'all with what, what all y'all means. So all y'all means a specific group of all. A subset of all. So just just for those not privy to what we mean in the South when we say all y'all. That's the deep South. (laughs) Anyway, and also being in the deep South, I do want to, you know, from my perspective, I really fear and, and see a lot of that people conflating the American dream with the good news because, you know. God bless America, red, white, and blue. You can you have the American dream. That's that's the good news, you know. Not so much, you know, Christ dying for your sins and we need a savior. We need but, a savior, but uh, feedback for someone. Yeah, and yet you're in the Bible Belt where everyone yeah. goes to church. Everybody goes. If you don't go to, you're more you're looked at weird if you don't go to church here. So. 
And like I said, yeah, we we don't. I mean, we have some Christian cults here, like the uh, Seventh Day Adventist and and the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. But I really I don't know of one mosque anywhere close to where I am, at least. And I'm in, I'm in South Mississippi, so there may be, but they definitely don't make any noise for sure. If they if there is any, they're very quiet. Like, and I think that's part of their strategy. I know people fear. The Muslim community, especially once they get a majority. But my issue with that is how much faith are you putting in the power of the gospel? I mean, why? what are you worried about? It Does not the gospel itself have power to convict and convert anyone? So that, that's kind of my issue when people are getting afraid of this. So are you scared to, that the gospel isn't going to work on these people? You know, that, that's just my observation. So, are we scared to are we scared to share the gospel with gangbangers? I mean, you know, I'll actually I'll I'll tell you this, folks. Go do a search. I uh for Kirk Cameron. I think it's just search for on YouTube Kirk Cameron gangbangers. I'm sure it'll come up. But you'll see Kirk Cameron sharing the gospel with a bunch of gangbangers. Now, first off, he had a hidden microphone, which may not be the smartest thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know like you, you they might think you're you're you know undercover you know swat or something you know? but you know kurt had told me that if you watch that video you're gonna see one guy that gets in his face and that guy made him nervous he actually said he got scared he was scared sharing the gospel with those guys but he continued doing it and he thought that this one guy in front of him was a guy that he was talking to that seemed the most receptive and and he said he pressed on for that guy. And yet, you know what? Five years later, that guy that got in his face that made him nervous and he got scared. Friend of mine, Scotty, saw him out holding a pro-life sign and realized it was the same guy. I went up and talked to him and found out that guy who got in Kirk's face got saved. That guy who made Kirk nervous and was afraid got saved and now proclaims the gospel. We need to overcome our fear, be bold. I really think it comes down to perspectives, Vincent. I think it comes down to what was it we're living for. You agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, what what is it if you gain the whole world? But, you know, you could gain everything in this earth if you're not. It just ends if you're not saved. So, I mean, we we try to have an eternal perspective, at least in our group, you know. Yeah, you could gay. You could be a million billionaire. It doesn't matter. You're still gonna die and spend eternity in hell if you don't have Jesus. So, what, well, what's really important? Let, let's look at let's look at our president. Right, we got President Trump. He's he's got billions. Right, I mean he's got he. Why would he want to become president? Why? What would he? What does he gain from this? Right. It, it, you know, he's an older man. The last few years of life, he wants to be able to say he was president. Is it? Is it for stat? You know, his argument is. He's doing it because he wants to make America great again. But he's got all that money, right? He, he's, he, he's not doing it for the money, but is making America great again the, the big issue? Well, I'd ask, what is the standard of ma- America being great, really? Yeah. And by, by whose perspective, you know? I think, I, think, I think making great America great again would be where the gospel is going across the land. 
so much so that, Amen. you know, I mean, look, when this country was founded and, and all these people that want to say that this wasn't a Christian nation, okay, it wasn't, it wasn't a Christian nation. It was based on Christian values. And one of the things I think when I look at this, I look at this and say, okay, this country was so influenced by Christians, Christian men and women, that men like Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson, who were not Christians, they were deists, but listen to their speeches. You'd think they're Christians because the the nation was so influenced with Christianity that they, they had to sound like Christians to stay in politics. And that would be great to see. I mean, America like sending missionaries around the world again, that would be great to see. So, so my issue with America today, did you see the uh, Tony Miano ruling where recently? No, I, 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 I have not heard. I mean, I, I recently but sent something about this. So. He, he was ruled he can't preach outside of an abortion clinic or he'd be sent to jail. I mean, yeah. they, they, he was just reading the Bible and they, now this judge is throwing a book at him. He, he's got like a jail sentence that's been a, whatever you stayed, but if wow. he, he's caught preaching the gospel or reading the Bible outside of a, a abortion clinic, he's going straight to jail. Yeah, my, my understanding is he's if he is outside of a Planned Parenthood, um, he will spend 30 days in jail. Like he, he was sentenced to 30 days in, in prison, uh, but it's like com- community or, or like it, yeah. he doesn't actually have to do it unless he breaks some one of these rules, which is being outside of, of a Planned Parenthood. That's the way America's going. This is making America great again. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and and this is the thing. Look, we could we could look at abortion, hate it, wish it was illegal. You know, and, and as it's the argument I make. You know, it's the argument that I made to Matt Dillahunty when he and I were talking, and he said that you know I I, I was asking him why he's he's so against you know, Christianity makes this, you know, does everything he does. It's like, well, Christians supposedly force our beliefs on everybody. And this is a, you know, they have, they're, the atheists are trying to overturn, you know, the Christian uh, government that we have. And and I'm like, really? We, We force our beliefs on people? Then explain abortion. How, how's abortion legal? If this is a, if, if Christians have such power, you know, but for a lot of Christians, they focus on the abortion. They focus on, you know, same-sex marriages and all the stuff that's going on with the LGBT, and and it's wrong. Don't you know? Don't mistake me. It's wrong. It, you know, the, the the lifestyle is sinful. Fine, but is that the goal that the Christian should be doing? Is to overturn your know, Roe versus Wade or overturn same-sex marriage? Or is our our mission to be sharing the gospel with people so that they would they would vote differently, right? I mean, they're going to behave differently. It's the gospel's the solution. Yeah, it's the gospel that transforms, not deistic moralism that we try to force on people. But yeah, it's the, it's the gospel that'll change hearts. So, so let me ask you, Vincent, you're, you're down in the deep South in the Bible belt. Everyone goes to church there. Yep. Everyone a Christian down in the Bible belt. I would say everyone thinks they're Christian in the Bible belt, <laughs> but no, I don't think everyone is Christian. Christian that, that, uh, they are, they are cultural Christians, but they're not 
born again, true Christians, I would say. <laughs> and enforcing mor moralism on them, isn't that the worst thing we could do? Because now they're not looking for a savior. They actually think they're they're good to go. I mean, hey, I go to church. I, you know, I meet all the requirements. I, I do my time. <laughs> I'm good. And and see, this is the thing that I, I don't want to just teach moralism. I don't want to just have us trying to get a moral America. I'd like to see a saved America. And I think that as Christians, that's what we as Christians should be seeking. Not just morality, not just a better government, not just better economy or capitalism or whatever the thing. You know, we should be about the business of seeing Christ save souls. And in order to do that, he says, how are they going to hear without someone preaching? We need to go out and open our mouths and share with people. It doesn't mean you have to stand on a street corner, but there's different ways of doing it. I mean, you know, John, Vincent, you guys have the, your Council of Google Plus that you guys do on a regular basis. You open it up, your Google Hangouts and your Discord to people to come in and have discussions. You guys are constantly sharing the gospel with people that don't believe the gospel. You yep. use the technology, right? Uh, it's the best way, at least the most efficient way that we can. I mean, we do in live real life when we can, but honestly, we do reach a lot of people that we would not normally through our digital medium. So, I mean, the Lord has blessed us with this medium to use. And so we, we're going to proclaim the truth, the gospel, every chance we can with every people group we come in contact with. So I do I do want to praise God for that. But yeah, whether we do, we do. I talk to people in real life a lot, but yeah, it has afforded us an opportunity to reach groups that we normally wouldn't. And, and groups around the world. I mean, I remember there was a guy who was coming into the, when Matt and I would do the slick answers, it's a guy from Australia. He was a nurse. He would come in on an almost regular basis and he was reading good Christian apologetics. He was an agnostic, but he was searching, he was looking, he was studying and he'd ask good questions. It was great having him. He's in Australia. I, I mean, you and I probably wouldn't get the opportunity to sit and talk with him if it wasn't for the technology. Right? right. Correct. We speak to people in Australia, India, uh, South America, around the world, literally. From the, the technology in our own home. Sitting in our own living room right now. <laughs> Which, and your living room is very far away, about as far away as you can get from me <laughs> in this country. Right. I mean, you're on the opposite coast. You Correct. know, yeah. and so. I mean. John, you're in a more liberal area, okay? Like like me. Um, That's what I was going to say. You two are in the liberal area. Yeah, east, the co the east and the West Coast are pretty liberal compared to where well, we, I am. It's an interesting comparison, yeah, because you live in a, in a state where pretty much where everybody goes to church. Yeah, but I'm yet in the Bible not, Belt. I, we yeah, are, I am in the heart goes, of the Bible Belt. But ideally, though, you can't really say that i mean people just go there because that's the, tr the, the tradition is that people go to church down there in the south because that's that's just the way of life uh you know where i'm at washington state and where andrew's at you know new jersey you know people <laughs> even though well i would say that over in on the east coast there's probably a lot more churches than there are here in in, in uh in washington state um 
but basically no one wants to go to church. Nobody really cares about going to church. Um, they they are professing atheists and they are loud and proud about it. And they don't they they have no interest. Um, but I would say that the churches that are here, um, the the many churches that are here, the Christians that do go, are really genuine Christians. They they are the ones that well, okay. I don't want to say say that entirely because you don't know. <laughs> but, but here's the thing: yeah. they're not cultural like out here. I mean, I, look exactly. Exactly. That, that's the yeah. issue. I mean, everyone goes here, so everyone's a, a cultural Christian. They may not know a lick about the true gospel, and but they, like I said, they tick their check mark, and they're we're in the they're in the club, and like but, I said, you you look more you're frowned upon if you don't hear. But Vince, and, here's the thing: in in the in the Bible Belt in the South where you're at, everyone's expected to go to church, and as we said, they. They're not looking for a savior. I always say when I do my evangelism trainings, it's not hard to get a person saved. It's hard to get them lost. I mean, when I first heard the gospel, being raised Jewish, I thought I immediately, just by my Judaism, I was going to heaven because that's what I was taught. I didn't see the need for a savior. It wasn't until I realized I was lost that I looked for a savior. And the reality is, in the deep south, yep. everyone who thinks they're saved, they're not looking for a savior. You know what? The Muslim, here's the thing that people don't understand. The Muslim, even though they have no assurance that they're going to paradise, because that's what they would call it, even though they have no assurance, and, and it would be it would be a sin to to claim you have the assurance that you're going to paradise, yet they won't question it and put absolute trust in it because that's they think <clears throat> the only way they can have any hope is within Islam. So they're not looking for anything else because th for many of them in these countries that Islam's all they know, they are taught not to question this. They can't question this. And they're not looking for a savior. They don't think they're lost. They think they're in the same boat as everybody else they're just better off because they at least have what they think is the truth. So when, let me ask you this, Andrew. They, they, from what I can tell, they have a uh, pretty fatalistic view of it. I mean, their their fate is determined before they're born whether they, you know, what uh, they're going to go to heaven or hell, no matter what they do. And in, in their in their view, well, they they would say that you do good works, right? One good work counts for ten bad works. So. So, but I think jihad, or what is it, jihadi, or you know, they're well sacrificing yeah. themselves. Then that guarantees them. That, that that guarantees their them. only guarantee, right? This is the same thing that came out of the Catholic Church during the Crusades. That people don't understand when they, when the Crusades occurred. What they did is they opened up all the prisons and told people, if you die in a holy war, you're guaranteed eternal life. You're guaranteed heaven. It's the same thing within Islam. Islam, there is no way to have a guarantee of forgiveness of sin other than dying in a holy war, jihad. Now, when a Muslim become when someone becomes a Muslim and they, they make that confession of faith, in Islam, it, that would say that all of your past sins are now paid for. They're covered. Which means unless you do that like at the last second of life, 
you're going to have things that you break God's law and you're now going to be accountable. And there's no way to know that those are forgiven. They don't, they don't have someone to redeem them, huh? Correct. Correct. And, and, you know, as Christians, I understand we have the fear of what they're going to do to our country, what they may do to us. I understand that. Do you love Christ enough to overcome that? Do you love them enough to overcome that? You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore, knowing the fear of God, we persuade others, but, that, uh, but what we are is known to God. And I hope it is also known to your conscience. We, we should be persuaded by the fear of God first. The fear of God should be something that causes us to say, we're going to reach out to, the, to these people. But then it says further in verse, in verse 14 in the same chapter, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And if he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Does the love of Christ compel you to get out of your comfort zone, get out of my comfort zone, and reach out to these people because they are dying and going to an eternal lake of fire? That's their eternal destiny. Is the, is, is the fear of God persuading you is the love of christ controlling you that what this says the gospel right there that one died for all christ died for us that we could be forgiven we should be going out into the world and sharing that message even with the muslim refugee who's coming in here and maybe they're even coming in here to kill us is that god's will you, let me take a break, and I'm going to say something that's going to seem really controversial, but could it be God's will that we become a Muslim nation? Is, could it be God's will that we suffer under Muslim law? Think about that, and we're going to discuss that more after this break. Gasp. You know that Striving Fraternity provides speakers and seminars that we would come to your church and disciple your people. We have seminars on the Bible interpretation made easy, creation science, evangelism, presuppositional apologetics, even on sexual abuse. These are just some of the many things that we could provide for your church. Consider inviting one of our speakers to your church. You can contact us at speaker at strivingforeternity.org. Ding dong! Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong! Mormons. Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth. But it is very wise to know what they believe. And you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdotheybelieve.com. 
Can you prove that God is a trinity? Can you prove that Jesus is God? Can you defend the Christian faith? And what is it that Christians truly believe? The new book by Andrew Rappaport, What Do We Believe?, will answer those questions and more. Some people just don't understand what the church is today, but this book will go through the history and meaning of the church and what's more important than to understand man's sinfulness and God's salvation. Get your copy at whatdowebelievebook.com or at the strivingforeternity.org store. And Vincent, you've been waiting for that book, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Andrew, Andrew, I would like to ask you a question. What would you think of a country that (laughs) Christianity is illegal in and you could die, you know, proclaiming your faith to others? What what kind of country would that be? be, I bring it up because that's, that's exactly how Christianity started. Yeah, in in Rome, it's it, it was a sect of of Judaism that got outlawed, and yet it prospered, it grew underground even. It 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 prospers in China today. How how can that be? Because Christians, not like many of us in America, because Christians recognize. The cost and even knowing that they could go to prison, they could lose their life, they could be persecuted. They are willing to share the good news. It's amazing. And I mean, you know, it's it's really kind of confusing to me that we live in a country where we have so much liberty to share the gospel. We have even still today we do. Uh, we have so many resources. I mean, I mean, look, look behind me, and you see my library. There are Christians around the world that have never seen that many Christian books, and this is only part of my library, right? I mean, you think about it, we have so many resources. We should be about the business of sharing the gospel and getting the truth out there, and yet. Quite frankly, what most of American Christianity has become is either foolishness or fighting against the foolishness. I mean, we have so many Christians that spend so much of their time researching and studying the foolishness that happens within Christianity to point that out, but they don't go out of their way to take someone that is a Muslim or a a Mormon and share the gospel with them. John, you have any thoughts? Um, actually, I was looking for. I, I, I gotta conf- I confess, I was actually looking for the fallacy of the week, and so I was just uh, seeing if I can help you out with that because you mentioned earlier you weren't looking for something like that. But I was trying to find a connection between what Muslims do seem to do and. Um, what kind of fallacies do they uh, usually uh, fall into as far as when it comes to some of the information that they have? Um, but I don't want to break the... Uh... <laughs> well, so I, actually, I have a good fallacy from Slick Answers that we'll end up using and we'll discuss. But uh, so, so uh, you know, th- the thing is, is that we we as Christians, this is what my challenge is to all of us, is don't be fighting uh you know against muslims coming here as as refugees trying to escape their country we should be seeking to evangelize them that's really the message that i'm trying to communicate 
Um, and so we're, we'll get to uh, we'll get to some logical fallacies, spiritual transition games in a bit. I do want to give the announcement, though, Vincent. Uh, you've been waiting for this book here. What do we believe for a while? Since last G3, my friend. You notice Ooh. that the one I'm holding up doesn't say reviewer's copy, not for sale. This is the actual copy here, Vincent. So that's the one where you worked out all the bugs? The, well, we're still working out bugs. <laughs> <laughs> But we this we are getting the books in supposedly this very week. I got two copies in that were the this is one of the copies for me to review. Um, and so they are finally coming in. They should be coming out shortly. Uh, basically, we're, we're going to be trying to get a team of volunteers together to get the hundreds of copies out the door to the, and then bring them to uh, the post office. So if you have ordered a copy, Vincent. Uh, actually, I think Vincent, didn't you even win a free copy? I, I, I may have. I don't recall. It's been too long, my friend. Two copies. Oh, I don't, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, too we, long we, ago, we man. Win. I don't remember. Yeah, I've got, both of us. We went. We both of us won a free. Yeah, no, John, John, you stole my Bible, so no. I have six kids. I don't remember what we talked about last week. So, I'm, well, I'm I'll say this. I'll say this. I'm just going to say, be paying attention to. Facebook. The books should be coming in uh, Wednesday or Thursday. I will be announcing a way that many people will be able to get a free copy. Uh, so be watching my Facebook. It'll be on my Facebook wall. So if you're not friends with me, well, well, too bad. Um, <laughs> I, I, I emptied a hundred slots. I, I removed a hundred people that had deactivated their Facebook or have passed away and have uh, made space for, for a hundred more people. Thirty of them been filling in. John is smelling his his Bible there. I, I should, you know, look, look at this. Look at look at this. John rubbing in that he he got that nice Skyler. Oh, look at that. oh, look at that. So he's ruining <laughs> that nice soft cover. So <laughs> so I I admit it. I covet his Bible. I admit it. Uh, you know, I don't think coveting Bibles is a sin. I'm just saying. Is it coveting other things maybe? But uh, you want to let folks know that that uh, that'll be coming out. Let's uh, let's play a quick announcement and then we'll get to some games that we like to play here. This podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome, everyone, to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to the School of Biblical Hermeneutics. Welcome, everybody, to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening, and welcome to the Conversations from the Port. Hello and welcome to Living in the Vine. This is the Council of Google Plus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. 12 podcasts, one network. Check them out at BibleThumpingWingnut.com. That's right. Check out the podcast, the blogs, and all of that at BibleThumpingWingnut.com, where you do get the Council of Google Plus. John just says that with such authority with that music behind him. But let us begin with a good, fun, spiritual transition game. We're talking about the gospel. How do we transition from the natural world to the spiritual world, getting into the gospel? So let us begin with our game. 
it's time now to start the spiritual transition game. All right, this is where Vincent or John are going to give me something for me to transition to the gospel. There is no part of this that is edited, so I will either do a good job or, as usual, do a bad job, but I'll try real hard. But the goal of this is to train ourselves to go from the natural world to the spiritual world, because many of us can handle the gospel gospel conversations when it's on spiritual issues. And many of us just need to train ourselves to be able to make that transition. That's why we do it. So Vincent, it sounded like you were going to say something. I was going to say, if you get to the gospel, you can't, you, you're, you've succeeded because there's no bad way to get to the gospel. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, how about I'm looking at right now, some, uh, vitamins that I purchased to maybe help me to be more healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I I may have, I may need an overdose to get healthy, but that's, that's another story. So you, you bought a bunch of vitamins thinking now, now you have, you really don't know if these vitamins are going to work. Do you? Not at all. I'm I'm praying for them. (laughs) You're you're, you're basically putting your faith in these vitamins saying they are going to make me healthy. I mean, without the exercise or proper diet, right? Just, just taking the vitamins, (laughs) but realistically you, you won't know whether it's the vitamins, typically, you know, it's an interesting thing. People take vitamins thinking, well, if I take these vitamins, I'm going to be healthy. But most people that take vitamins and are in good shape, they don't just take vitamins. I mean, they exercise, they eat well, they do a lot of other things, but there's a lot of people that just say, well, see, all these people take vitamins and they must be healthy. And it's not just the vitamins maybe, but what are they doing? They're putting their trust in the vitamins to help them get healthy. And yet they can't know really. I mean, you don't know the result. We don't know how those vitamins are ultimately over a long period of time going to work on our body. We would assume that from lots of studies that certain vitamins are going to be good for us. And yet what we end up seeing is that we do these things to try to improve our body. Why? Because of a very simple thing. As much as Vincent, you recognize, but don't want to admit and true for all of us, we're getting older. With age comes decay. Why? Our bodies, as, as you know, get to a point where they we peak out at very early, and then everything else is just decay. And we do all this thing. We we exercise. We start eating right. We start taking vitamins as we get older because we recognize our bodies are breaking down. Why are they breaking down? Very simply, our bodies break down and need vitamins and exercise and good diet because. It's suffering from the curse when Adam and Eve first sinned against God, and that was passed on to every generation. We violate God's law, and in doing so, we suffer the curse. And it's a daily reminder. But you know what? When For those who put their faith in Christ, those who recognize that Jesus Christ died in their place as a payment of that sin— They look at that failing body, and in 2 Corinthians 5, they see it as something that gives them a a desire for something greater, the desire to be with Christ. They can look forward to the decaying body because it means they're one day closer to the one they love. And so we take all these vitamins because we know our body's decaying. And you know what? I think God gives us that, that daily reminder to remind us that the curse is around us. It's all around us, and we need a Savior. Have you trusted in that Savior, Jesus Christ, today? That's how I'd go about going from vitamins to the gospel. I don't know how you'd do it, but think about it. And if you have a better way of sharing the gospel from vitamins 
go to the Striving Fraternity group on Facebook and share how you would transition from vitamins to the gospel. So Thank that's you. how I would go about it. Like I said, you can't go wrong as long as you get to the gospel. That's right. And now... Now it's time for Name That Fallacy. All right, so Name That Fallacy. This is where we are going to name a fallacy, and we had a doozy of a one on Slick Answers uh, just like two weeks ago. Uh, but I think, I think it was titled, uh, angry atheist, uh, refuses logic. If you look for, for that in slick answers, but, uh, we had, we had, we had to, well, we, we, we could, we could say that we, we had this, I don't, this won't be the fallacy, but you know, it's only about 30 seconds long. Just give a listen and think of how you would respond to what Matt had to deal with. You said statements either true or false. I gave you a statement and you said it doesn't apply. Not true that. So only two that statements would be either true or false. So is it true that I'm talking to you? Is it true? That is true statement. I'm talking to you. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Is it true that babies exist? Um, well, I mean, how babies exist, babies exist, babies exist. Is that true or is it not the case that it's true? Um, I would, I mean, if you want to go down the, you know, if you want to be very strict about it, I would be uh, skeptical about it. Okay. We're done talking. <laughs> that would be the fallacy of idiot-itis <laughs> so skeptical he doesn't know if babies exist he knows that they're that he and matt are talking but he doesn't know babies exist but no after that af- after that we actually had john lose it john, john lost it because he couldn't believe the guy said babies don't he doesn't know if babies exist <laughs> but after that we had bob and Bob made this claim. He, Bob, uh, let, let's let's see if we could play Bob. Hold on one second. We we could play the beginning of Bob. Um, if I could find it, I should have put this in the in in the discussion. But let's play let's play a little bit of Bob here. Do you have any proof that your God exists? Yeah, the resurrection of Jesus is the proof. That's not. Yeah, it is. No, do you have empirical evidence? <laughs> okay now notice what bob said okay we're going to play this again this is the logical fallacy okay listen again to what ends up happening he asks for proof does matt give him proof and then is that proof accepted do you have any proof that your god exists yeah the resurrection of jesus is the proof That's not- yeah it is no, do you have empirical evidence <laughs> okay so he wants empirical evidence yeah. Can you name that fallacy? Well, I would say it's begging the question to a degree because he's assuming that only empirical evidence is valid evidence. But I mean, you may have you may be going down a different route, but but we did get into it. You're exactly right, because we did address that with him because Matt ended up asking him or I asked him, I forget which one of us asked him if his statement has been validated by science. I mean, is there empirical evidence to support his statements? Um, but that wasn't going to go down that road, but that is one of them. Cause this one actually, especially you heard the whole conversation. It, it, there were several. I, well, I missed that. Cause I was setting up the hangout. So I missed ah. all this. So I don't know what you're talking about at this moment. <laughs> ah, okay. This is new to me. I'm just letting you know. Full thing. So, so I ended up later asking him cause Matt's So Matt makes the argument that the answer to his question is the resurrection. 
He doesn't accept that. Why? Because he wants science. And I ended up explaining to him, I, I asked him if he could prove that George Washington was our first president. And he said yes by history, but he won't accept history to be the evidence of the resurrection. I asked him, you know, what would prove the resurrection? I said, would 500 eyewitnesses prove it? He said, yes, that would. But then he wants to reject the Bible's account of 500 eyewitnesses. Okay. So you have a couple things. One, you have confirmation bias. He's only accepts information that already confirms his, his conclusions. But you also have a genetic fallacy. And that is because he has, it's actually more specifically, he has a category error. He wants to define something in history and philosophy by science. And I ended up explaining to him that you can't, it's impossible to prove the existence of God from science. Why? It's the wrong measurement. It's like asking someone, how many feet does eight gallons of water weigh? You can't answer that. Why? It's a fallacy. It's the wrong measurement. And this is what you have here. You, you can't measure. Science is a study of the material world. God is immaterial. You can't use science to prove God ever because God's not material. Science can only study material things. It's the wrong measurement. We could use philosophy. We could discuss history as Matt did with the resurrection. Those are the, the studies you could use. That would be a proper category. But you can't use science because it's the wrong category. So what he has here is a category error. And he couldn't see it. And you see people do that all the time. I will say, if you had, if you didn't hear the full thing, go back to the episode, Angry Atheist Refuse Logic with Slick Answers, and listen to the tail end of that. You will, <laughs> you'll get to hear John lose it, and you'll get to hear Bob. But sounds, uh, like, sounds like fun to me. <laughs> you, you can ignore my part. <laughs> I will say, our, our, we do, our, our friends in Discord have a good argument. I mean, pure, true empiricism just is self-refuting. You can't prove empiricism is the uh, source of all knowledge in, using the, the method. That's right. it, it's self-defeating. You can't do it. Empiricism right. relies on the observable, does it not? You can't observe that this is how you truly gain knowledge, you know? This is the only way to gain all knowledge. <laughs> So, and, uh, so it's self-refuting to begin with. So it's just it's always fun to talk to atheists who who use a, empiricism as a, a method. But not just empiricism, skepticism, which we heard with the other guy that's couldn't couldn't if we're going to go depending how far we go on skepticism, he couldn't say whether babies exist. And they'll <laughs> quote Descartes. But, you know, Descartes actually and this thing that shocks people, Descartes was trying to prove the existence of God and came to the conclusion that I think. The fact that I think I exist, and they always just quote the, I think, therefore I am, but go on. What was the rest of what Descartes was arguing? The fact that I think proves that I exist. The fact that I exist proves there must be a God. Boom. They don't want to go to the rest of that because the skepticism, what was Descartes trying to do? He wanted ultimate skepticism. He thought that if he asked enough questions, he could get to the truth. And he did. God exists. Yep. And so the fact that, that God, 
Oops, sorry, go ahead, Vincent. I was just going to say, usually at that point, they just don't want to answer the questions because they realize the the true answer. Yeah. So right. folks, listen, our challenge, we know God exists. And what we want to do is challenge you. Don't fight Muslims coming into this country that are coming here to try to make a better life. I understand we don't want terrorists coming in. We don't want things like that. Uh, we have laws and we want people that are going to obey the laws. But you know what? As Christians, you know what our mission is? It's not to be checking Fox News to get the latest details. It's not to be writing our congressmen and see if we can change the laws. We should be sharing the gospel with them. What greater testimony could there be? What greater honor could Christ receive? What greater glory could we give to God than being reaching out to these Muslims who may even be coming here to destroy us and they receive Jesus Christ, repent of their sins, and now are eternal brothers and sisters? How great would that be? That should be the focus that we look to do. Make that your mission today. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.